I think we've reached a point where it requires a lot more work and actual discernment than it used to. Journalist Mark Hemingway, speaker at the 2021 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, July 23rd and 24th at Concordia University, Chicago. Just because you read something in black and white does not mean that it's in any way reliable. And in fact, you should probably assume that the default media worldview is hostile to, say, a Lutheran worldview and act accordingly in terms of verifying that information with multiple sources and and using your best judgment in terms of who you trust and who you don't. You can participate in a Q&A with Mark and Molly Hemingway at this year's Making the Case Conference. The premier conference for Christian laity is Friday, July 23rd and Saturday, July 24th in Chicago. Attendance is limited. Learn more and register at issuesetc.org or by calling 618-223-8385. Every month I come here and I hear the same thing, social emotional health. If you truly mean that, you would end the mask requirement tonight. This is not March 2020 anymore. We have three vaccines. Every adult in the state of Georgia that wants that vaccine is eligible to get it right now. And every one of us knows that young children are not affected by this virus. But it's April 15, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child. Taking them off. That is, oh, probably a prominent theme this time around. Welcome back to the LGBP podcast for a, another episode of antics and whatever it is we're going to throw at you. But yeah, taking the mask off. Right. This this lady, if you haven't watched the entire speech um, that she gives uh, to these Georgia politicians, you should you should do yourself a favor and go watch it because I've never seen such impassioned, you know, impassioned uh speech you know given for for something like that but it just goes to show you how um how fed up people are with this and with with uh, having to wear this mask everywhere and make their children wear masks well and and when we've had study after study that shows that okay do children get it sure but are they at the same high risk as others no no, they're not. No. On a large scale, get them in the classroom, get them to school. Let's let's get them in the schools. And that's that's her point. Now, I think in Georgia, they're in school. Yes. But I think even down to the littlest kids, they're all wearing these face masks. They don't do a bit of, bit of good. Right. I was I was at a um I was at a volleyball game early this year, like back in August, September, somewhere around there, and there's like a seven year old sitting there in the stands, sitting next to his mother. We're all socially distanced. And the principal came up and made this like eight-year-old put his mask on. I was like, he's sitting next to his mom who he's with all the time. Like, you're going to seriously make him put his mask on or is he going to kick him out? Like, this makes, it's so asinine. It just makes no sense. It's, uh, well, and in that case, and that that eight-year-old's not going to spread COVID to anyone there. And the likelihood that that kid's going to get COVID, very, very minimal. Uh, you know, we were, you and I were sharing this week, you know, a peer reviewed study about face masks. So it's published. Let's see. What is that site? Let me see. What is that published on? The ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. 
So a government website, peer-reviewed study, face mask in the COVID-19 era. And they talk about how, how it's detrimental to the health, how it's detriment how it's not actually preventing the spread of COVID, which can be seen by the fact that people who are wearing masks are still getting COVID. Doctors and nurses. Right. And they're wearing the right mask. Yes, they're wearing N95, which are the ones that that you need that cover everything and are supposed to keep the viruses out. Right. But but here we are. It's spreading. Well, actually, it's not. It's not. It, I believe I believe um, in the states that have opened wide open, um, aren't cases going down? And then states like, I don't know, Michigan, who are still shut down are having incredible surges in cases right now. That makes no sense when you look at the science, as our friends across the aisle would say. Well, it's, it's believing in science to suit your... To suit your uh, agenda, right? Exactly. And and when when it doesn't match up, then there's something wrong. There's right. something that's not right. It's you know we we at the beginning were called conspiracy theorists and what have you because we just said, well, I'm not gonna you know until there's proof showing that masks work, I'm not gonna wear one. Well, guess what? It's been over a year and they still don't have definitive proof that this. That it actually prevents anything. And that's what this lady in Georgia is trying to say. COVID mama, as Stephen likes to refer to her as, is trying to yep. say that these masks don't have any, there's no definitive proof that the masks are working. And like I said in the last episode, as someone who has very rarely worn a mask, a mask and still has not uh, caught COVID, has not, has not had it, then I... I I question whether or not Fauci actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to the mask. On other things, I believe Fauci does know because he's he is a he's an epidemiologist, and I am not. I am just a lowly church worker. I don't understand viruses the way he does, but I don't think anybody knows how this virus, how SARS COVID two or nineteen, however they put it, uh, I don't think anybody knows how it actually works and what it does. So, so here it is statistics uh, for the state of Texas. So over the last month, daily new cases have never topped around the 4,000 mark. And remember, new cases are just people who test positive. They go get a test, rapid test, and they test positive. The, the, uh, The downward trend has continued even after we lifted the mask mandate. And that includes spring break. Think about that. That includes spring break as well, which is what everybody was saying. All the doom and gloom people were saying, just wait till spring break and St. Paddy's Day when you're all going to die because you're not wearing your masks. And look at us. Not all of us are dead. So, Well, here we are, you know, uh, what is this? Three going on. Yeah, three weeks after Easter. Right, and that was supposed to be a big one. Right. And so everything seems, it almost seems to be pretty flat. There's probably some transmission, probably some, what this doesn't tell you is it doesn't tell you, are these numbers the, um, what are they calling that? The variants. Yeah. Right. Anyway, but, but, but when you look at the graph, we peaked a long time ago, mm-hmm. and even the dip we had in late summer 
when people were getting hopeful, we're below that dip. Yeah, you can look at the you can look at the graph and you can see that we are on a downward trend. And you're right, we're lower than we were even in even in January we're lower. Like mm-hmm. as a country, we're lower than we were in January. So it's it just blows my mind that we're still trying to uh, put this this fear mongering out there to try and control the people, and that's what it really is. And the, the mainstream media is not helping by by throwing out you know people are still like just the, the their headlines, which are very misleading and all that. And then don't get me started on Johnson and Johnson and pulling that that vaccine, which I don't agree with anyways because they use aborted tissue cells, which I don't think we should be using for medicine because we shouldn't be aborting babies anyways. Uh, but they pulled that because of complications and like it was like one in like what 100,000 or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a small percentage of number and they pulled it. I think fully going full conspiracy theory, like black helicopters over my house right now kind of thing is that well, they're the, coming. I know, I know they're coming, but that the government wanted them to pull one of the vaccines. And that was the one that they chose because they want to try and regain control because they noticed that people were getting too willy nilly and free again since they were getting vaccinated. And especially that one, because it's a one, one shot and you're done. Well, and then I'm wondering if, if it's a pullback to get everyone on board, you already have Pfizer coming out saying, well, this is going to, you're going to need another booster. And then, well, this might be an annual thing. Well, no crap. When you sit and stand to make millions of dollars, millions every year off one shot. Well, by gum, that's a damn good plan. That's a damn good plan to say, you know what? Yeah, this vaccine, you know, it you know misses with your MNRA or whatever you know, uh, but but yeah you're gonna have to get it every year you're gonna need it every year and that means when it comes time a year from now for these people to go get it again, guess what? It's not gonna be free. Right? No, it's not. No, that's gonna be one expensive shot. And it's if you look back in uh, swine flu, avian flu, all those COVID flus that we've had before that we have gone through if you look at what influenza a is those fall underneath it Mm -hmm. and so we still are having those pandemics those epidemics that we're having before those viruses still exist to this day we just try to vaccinate for them and we treat them just as we should be doing with covid19 right and the other part of that is i don't know my wife and I have spent, I don't know, maybe maybe in the ballpark, a couple hundred dollars over the last year and a half by purchasing some vitamins, you know, vitamin D, vitamin E. We both take that Airborne. You take that Airborne? I take vitamin C. So That, that works, but that, that Airborne is pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm really big on the apple cider vinegar, whether in liquid form or the, the capsules. And zinc. We took zinc. And then, of course, well, I attribute my lack of COVID getting to, uh, for a while there, about three times a week for a nice gin and tonic. Because that key ingredient to the, uh, what was that What was that medicine that, that Trump wanted everyone to take? Uh, uh, hydro... Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, that's it. That, the quinine in that tonic water is in that hydroxychloroquine. Because the quinine 
they would give them people that tonic water because the quinine, you know, long before hydroxychloroquine was coming along to take care of uh, malaria. So, and that's why, that's why uh, the tonic water glows. You know, you mm-hmm. put a black light up to it, it glows. I've never tried that. Now I gotta go find a black light, some tonic water and do that. There you go. Yeah, it's gonna be great time. But even, okay, but even liberals like Bill Maher have woken up to some things. And I don't agree with Bill Maher on a whole lot of things. Not me neither. Probably about 90% of what comes out of his mouth, I disagree with. Right. Uh, for a myriad of different issues, a myriad of uh, reasons why. But he has even come out in defense of, of you and I, and essentially how we think about this coronavirus. Uh, I got this clip here. Let's 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 take a listen. What are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between one and five percent. Forty-one percent of Democrats thought it was over fifty percent. Another twenty-eight percent put the chances at twenty to forty-nine. So almost seventy percent of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. All of which explains why today the states with the highest share of schools that are still closed are all blue states. So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for How did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? (laughs) Says the media won't stop putting pictures of the beach on stories about COVID, even though it's looking increasingly like the beach is the best place to avoid it. Sunlight is the best disinfected, and vitamin D is the key to a robust immune system. Texas lifted its COVID restrictions recently, and their infection rates went down, in part because of people getting outside to let the sun and wind do their thing. (laughs) But, But to many liberals, that can't be right, because Texas and beach-loving Florida have Republican governors. But life is complicated. I've read that the governor of Florida reads. (laughs) I I know we like to think of Florida as only middle school teachers on bath salts having sex with their students in front of an alligator. (laughs) But apparently the governor is also a voracious consumer of the scientific literature. And maybe that's why he protected his most vulnerable population, the elderly, way better than did the governor of New York. Boy, ain't that the truth. Isn't it? That is, is ridiculous. It's crazy. He he protected the people because there's a huge elderly population there in Florida. I know this because I lived there at one time. And uh, DeSantis protected them. And he he had some he had done so much research, in fact, that he held a forum with scientists from Stanford and Harvard, and uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few uh, colleges, but he but then it got taken down by YouTube because you can't speak truth on YouTube; you can only speak lies. Apparently, well, you know, YouTube's all about the science, so long as the science fits the narrative. Yes. And apparently the science 
behind what they were talking about. Well, that's just not, that's not right. That, that science don't work. Right. It, that's well, that's it not valid. It doesn't push, like you said, it doesn't push the narrative. It doesn't push no. the agenda. It, it's, it's crazy. And like, even though I think it's, I think it's funny that this makes two weeks in a row now that we have uh, used liberal commentators to help prove our points isn't that incredible? Like we had Pierce Morgan talking about cancel culture last week, and we had Bill Maher this week talking about talking about COVID nineteen. So that's true. It says something to me that even some of the liberal media and the liberal talking heads are starting to realize how stupid some of this stuff is. Well, you know, when we go on, I mean, we're good not living. I remember being at this time. Last year, here we are the end of April, we were not in church. I was probably not going to my office because I'm almost positive about this time. The uh, the ever incredible Lena Hidalgo had told us all to stay home. No one on the roads, right? Essential workers only, which I hate that term. Don't get me started. That's a whole nother episode. But, but right, we were all home getting our groceries online. And here we are a year later. And for how many people has that not changed? Oh, no, exactly. And that's why, that's why they, and that's what the government wants to happen. They want us to sit at home and be reliant upon them, which is why they're going to keep on trying to send us money to try to appease us. And make us make us more reliant upon them, because the more we sit at home and don't work, the more we have to wait for them to give us our groceries and give us some money to spend on, on things, or you know, rely on unemployment and um, things of that nature. This is what they want. This is them trying to move us into this socialist state where we rely upon the government for all of our needs, which then means they get to monopolize it. And tell us what we were, what we deserve, and what we don't deserve. You know, it is very telling how ungodly our society is, and how ungodly those politicians who claim to be godly are when when they want to make us solely dependent on them for every need. Well, when we pray the Our Father, and we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that is that he would provide for our daily needs. That's who I look to. And in part of that, he gives me the strength, gives you the strength to wake up every morning, put on your shoes, get dressed, get all ready to go. You know, you, you take your kids to school, we go to work and we do what we have to so that we might provide for our families and food, clothing, house, home. We're gifted the wonderful wives that you and I have. And, and it's very telling when, when we see people who desire to make the government their God. Yeah. And, and 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 that the because because when the government provides for your daily needs, they are your god. Yeah, because you you're what you rely upon them and upon them solely. And what 
what's baffling to me is that even the uh, most Marxist of people aren't even Marxist. I right. Mean, take a look at homegirl from BLM out there buying buying houses, you know, and oh, it's for my family, which is what we all do with our money. We make money so we can provide for our families, but it's okay that she has millions of dollars, but the rest of the world can't have millions of dollars, right? Well, you know? Right. It's, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want everyone to have what you have. And, and when it comes to politicians and leaders, they don't want certain people in the country club. And they're going to do whatever they need to to keep those people out of the country club. Which is why they tried so freaking hard to get Trump out of office. Because he was not someone they wanted in that politician country club. Mm-mm. He thought different. He said what was on his mind. He he lied like the rest of them. But, but he was different. He actually stood up for what he believed in in that sense. And went against buck the system, and they don't like that. Even, even Republicans don't like that, because they're just trying to make sure their constituents are somewhat happy enough to where they'll vote them in again. That's right. And then they keep doing the same thing they've been doing all these years. When we got politicians who've been sitting in their offices longer than you and I have been alive, that's a problem, right? And and they're only self-serving. Oh, absolutely. They just trying to line their pockets. That's all they're trying to do. You know, there's a, which, there's a reason which many why, of them have during right? this COVID. Oh, many of them have lined their pockets over COVID well, because I I want to know how many of them invest in pharmaceuticals. Right, and and tell me tell me how you you go into being a senator barely making any money and then come out with several different houses and all this and the other. It's because you know it's because you have lined your pockets with. With money from activist groups and from right. um, from from the people there trying to convince you that you need that you need to vote this certain way, what have you, like that's where that money comes from. That's and right. then and then you got they keep on promising the same things over and over again. Look at Sheila Jackson Lee down there in the third ward. She keeps on promising that she's gonna make it a better place for them. And man, you go in the third ward and you think you're in a third world. Like that's right. That's it's that's it's right. terrible. And she's been there for how many years and keeps on promising that it's gonna get better and be better and and just keeps on pulling the wool over people's eyes and they keep on bumping mm-hmm. her in. That's right. And, you, know, you know, when you show up to every photo opportunity, when you're there handing out water, well Ted Cruz did not invite me to go down to Mexico with him during the freeze. I'm still mad about that, Ted. Yeah, you should have invited me. Come on, Ted Cruz. I would have loved to have gone with you because I didn't want to be here with no power. But when you're out there and you make all the publicity stunts, the reality is people, when they're together in groups, when they're discussing these things, they are not the brightest. And they fall for a lot. The same way that everyone who was in that crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. uh, I I imagine there's some people in that crowd who didn't even know what was going on. No, it's just group thing. That's all it is. Group thing, you know, happens. Every time a fight broke out in school, what did everyone do? They ran to it. They ran to it. That's right. Well, with that, let's take a break. When you talk about destruction 
Origins of the Issues Etc. program. Jeff, you were around for that. What's your recollection of you can't teach lay people theology? Well, first of all, Don Matzett was his driving force. He said we need to teach, equip, and educate lay people. The response from the synodocrats would be nobody wants to listen to that kind of stuff. Can't teach lay people theology. And what, 15, 16 years later, we're still doing it. The lay people are eating it up. Your show has just been so, so informative and, and such a great education for me. The show keeps me Christ-centered and cross-focused. Helps me understand true theology, doctrine, practice. It is an invaluable resource. I get to hear pastors and professors who are willing to talk to me about God's Word without talking down to me. This week on Issues Etc., Pastor Ted Geese discusses the Academy Awards... Pastor Will Whedon discusses the Easter hymn with this joyful Easter tide, and Trevor Sutton joins to discuss Facebook's new prayer feature. I learned on Issues Etc. that faith is a gift of God and that it comes from hearing the gospel. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. You can listen by going to issuesetc.org or by downloading the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. certainly in the future we are it is a interesting time that we're living in i can't imagine what our great great grandparents would have ever thought about some of these things having and for some of them great maybe that's too far great grandparents and then even my grandmother who's on her way to 99 who can't, you know, live through the end of you know, the depression, you know, saw a world, a world war, you know, saw a lot. And I can't imagine, you know, if she was still in her full right, you know, um, frame of mind, I can only imagine what she'd be thinking in all of this. Hmm. With all this, especially, especially with, um, when your grandmother didn't immigrate, your great grandmother did, but um, just knowing like knowing what the what her mother came from and her you know her parents mm-hmm. came from to see it taking place again here, you know, and not say you know Mexico's not socialist, but they're not a constitutional republic no. either in that sense. You know, corruption runs rampant there; it runs rampant here as well. But yeah, looking back at that and like even if our forefathers knew the kind of garbage that's going on right now, I mean, they would have already picked up their muskets and probably charged into well, the house. Well, and, and we've been trained for, I mean, working on a century now, training our society 
to to look at what happened at the Capitol as being the most horrendous thing that ever could have happened. When in fact, it was probably the most American thing that ever could have happened. However, I probably would say that what happened at the Capitol was not was not what most people intended it would be. I would say that, again, people in a crowd, like we were talking about before, get sucked in to what happens, right? You get you only need you only need two agitators. You only need two agitators yeah. to get a whole crowd going. And, and that's certainly what happened. But the idea that that it was is unpatriotic and un American to to go and upend something we think is wrong, well that's that's not right because right now I feel like the Democrats are working to sh- however I can't even think how many votes Trump got right 70 something million something like that mm-hmm. they're trying to put 70 something million people out of the way right they're trying they to don't, put them on well, trial but they right. don't matter they're trying to say right. well you don't matter the other 70 million people do matter who voted for Biden we matter mm-hmm. they matter more and because of that we're going to shut the rest of you out and we're going to make sure that the rest of you never have a voice in the government again. That's what's happening. Right. And that's what they're, that's what they're trying for. But I, I really think that a lot seeing with people like Bill Maher and Pierce Morgan and stuff like that, like seeing those people um, stand up and say like, this is ridiculous. Like it's going to, I think it's going to waken people up. It's going to open their eyes and let them see that this, that, we need to have our voices heard. We need to have our voices known and let people know that you trampling on our rights is not okay. It's not right. And you trying to do things like add a 51st state so you can keep the majority that much more. Uh, because let's be honest, if DC became a state, that there would be a, two more Democrat mm-hmm. senators is what it would be. DC was never supposed to be a place that had permanent residence anyways. It's supposed to be the home of the federal, the federal government. Um, yet we have, we now have the people there. So if you want to vote, then just don't live in DC, go live in Virginia or Maryland or any of the other States that are around there. You know, it just, so something interesting I read this week when it comes to the whole idea of bringing the district of Columbia in, as either New Columbia, I don't even know what they'd call it, as Mm -hmm. a 51st state. So the land set aside for the district was given by the states of Maryland and Virginia. Now the government has full control, the, the Congress has full control of that land. However, full control in the sense that Years and years ago, I don't even know when, they ceded some of the land back to Virginia, and that's what's now Alexandria and a couple other little towns. But the majority of D.C. occupies land given by the state of Maryland. It is not in, um, it's not for Congress to vote in that we're going to make this a state without going through the state of Maryland. 
the state of Maryland gave that land for it to be the District of Columbia. And for the Congress to decide, well, we're going to make this space a state now. Well, now you're you're stealing land from Maryland. Yeah, you know it's 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 the idea that uh, if I own property and I want that property to be used for a community garden, and I'm going to give it the control to a group of people, but the the day that they change up that agreement that they want to do something else. Well, and that property rolls back to me under my full control. That's kind of the idea yes. here. Now, I don't know what legal documents there are on Maryland's behalf. And granted, no doubt, the the leg, the, leg, the state legislator of Maryland and politicians would totally support this. Yeah. But would every single citizen in Maryland support right. it and but yeah and that's the other thing is with it being that way it would have to be an amendment to the constitution Correct. i believe and and in that sense then two-thirds of the states have to ratify that and that's that's the seven eight year process right. anyways the other the other thing so that I, I look at <laughs> now granted you say it have to be a constitutional amendment right because you're changing up kind of things how these are done, but remember, mm. no amendment is is absolute. It's absolute. That's correct. I forgot yeah. that. I forgot that that no amendment is uh, absolute under the Biden Harris regime. I mean, um, uh, what what's the word they use? Uh, administration, regime, but administration. They're administering something. A lot of malarkey. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. While speaking of malarkey, Stephen. There was a tragic thing that happened this past week, and the fact that a officer had to take the life of a of a young mm-hmm. woman because she was a threat to another woman who was standing mm-hmm. there, and for some reason, it has turned into a race thing because or a systematic racism thing because a police officer killed a black woman. And what was incredible to me is we have people like LeBron James coming out and basically putting a threat on him and then deleting the tweet and then going about saying he's just sick and tired of uh, police killing black people, this, that, and the other. But my question to you, Stephen, is if they would have, if that officer would have let her murder that other girl in front of him, would there not still be outrage because the police officers didn't do their job? Well, right, that's the conundrum here. Um, listening to Sean Hannity, which I rarely do, I don't really can't really stand him that all that much. He has a very small vocabulary, but it is okay. <laughs> and he had two gentlemen, black gentlemen, discussing the situation. And Sean asked the question because a comment of one of his guests Based on a comment of one of his guests, Sean asked the question, look, if it was your daughter pinned against the car, would you want the cop to shoot her in the leg, to try and take the knife away, or to shoot the girl? And the person refused to answer the question. And the other guest came up with with what is the conundrum, right? 
for most people, and I think this crosses all, you know, levels of melanin in your skin tone. If my daughter's pinned up against the car, I want the officer to do whatever is necessary to preserve her life. Yes. If my daughter is the one with the knife in hand, I honestly don't know what I would want. Because because you don't true. want to lose a child. No parent wants to lose a child. No. Um, and, and this child obviously was actually, in, in this particular case, was the intended victim of a jumping. If mm. I understood the situation correctly, the, 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 the young woman who was shot by the officer was the resident of the home that the officers responded to, and they were in response to a call, I imagine by the family, because two other girls had shown up to the house with the intent to do this girl harm. Jumper, whatever. Right. Now, the outrage to say that, well, this is day-to-day life. And, you know, knives, stabbings happen all the time. Cops need to handle it better. Well, I would say maybe for people in different parts of the country, different parts of, here in Houston, I'm sure there are parts where things like this are a day-to-day occurrence. However, why is it not our hope and desire, and why are we not striving to keep that from being a day-to-day occurrence? So, so that our exactly. response is, well, the cops need to handle this better. This is day-to-day. You know, don't bring a gun to a knife fight. Well, why is it day-to-day? Yeah. Is it always going to be the white man's fault? I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, well, and it's it. Would they rather? Would they rather the officer have gone up and stabbed her? I don't understand because then he had a knife know, on knife, like you know, like or ta- like or would they rather him tackled her? By the time he got there, she could have stabbed her five, six times. She could have the other girl right. could have been By dead. By the time already. he would have closed it, the distance, oh. there was mm-hmm. nothing. And to say that he didn't try, he's shouting. He's saying, right. hold up, you know, he's already drawn his gun and and she continues. And and, and, and he it, doesn't know the situation. They, so what is he gonna say? Right. Paul's button, Paul's button, can y'all hold up for a minute? Let me find out the situation before I intervene. Because that never happens. Yeah, because because he watched because he watched the video and he rolls, they roll up, and there's one woman, there's, they're fighting, they're scuffling, and he gets out, he's like, hey, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it. They get against the car, and all of a sudden you see the girl go back with her hand, with mm-hmm. a knife in it, going and stab the girl. So even at that point, he, if he goes and he tries to taser, like pulls out the taser and shoots her, and it fails, he's still, she's still going to get off two or three good yep. stabs in, which could kill, it only right. takes one right. to kill someone. And, and when you look at that video... That was not a potential stabbing. That was, he prevent, he he stopped, you know, an actual stabbing, right? That was, that was not the potential to happen. No, every angle, every, um, you know, the way, yeah. Every viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I understand, like when you watch the video, I understand the parents grief about, 
you shot my baby, you shot my baby. Well, how could you do that? Has some very choice words and all that. But the officer, as Don Lemon and Chris Kumo said on CNN, he has a duty to to protect and to serve. And that's what he did. He protected and served that that lady, right, that right. woman who was right. about to be stabbed. Right. And even even it was like a scene anal- analysis even stands by the officer's actions saying that it was justified from a police perspective. And these are these are people who usually side against and want to defund the police right. and want them to, you know, be done with and abolish them or this, that, and the other. That's the thing, it's it's justified, but then we got we've got the we got, you know, LeBron who wants wants the guy executed, you know, like it's just it's ridiculous. The, well, this is also the problem with the chain of information. It's how this was presented. Before before people saw the video, before people knew the whole story, you had activists, news stations already declaring an unarmed black teenager was shot. Well, that was the thing was it wasn't even like yes, that was in there, but the main thing that stuck out to me was while Derek Chauvin's bird is being handed down, unblack unarmed black woman is teenager yep. is shot. That was so it, MSM, the mainstream media, was trying to incite something right. already. It's you know it's it's almost like they're like oh crap they actually convicted this man on all three counts we need something to well piss they the weren't going to get the great video shots that night yeah uh, the fires right, raging because and... because to everyone who was on pins and needles it appeared that justice had been served. Now, right. Unless you're AOC, then it's well, not justice. Um, it's just the beginning. You know, I look at it. There's going to be some dark days ahead uh, for whatever judge and whatever court will hear the appeal because there's going to be an appeal. That's not going right. to, they're not going to let that go because politicians who want to open their mouth and talk about it really set that up to be to basically give the jury no option. And, um, and everyone now, everyone now is saying, well, it's the right choice as it should have been. I'm sorry. Everyone is given due process in this country. I understand that there have been times in this history where people with more melanin while receiving that due process it was likely not fair. We all read To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, I say we all. Now that that's no longer a book that we can read, which I don't understand because I think the moral of the story... That's not required no. reading no. anymore? That's ridiculous. It's such a great... like. That's, once again, going back to... They probably wouldn't let you show Remember the Titans in school anymore. Obvi- like, it's It's obvious that that's not a part of our cinema playlist these days, because yeah. I think people would have a different attitude about a lot of things if, if they were to watch right. that movie and how, and how we are in 2021 yet have backtracked 70 years. And I don't get it. Right. To where we have separate, graduation days for separate races you know 
or not races, but ethnicities and right. what have you. Right. It's yeah. It's uh, everything that they were fighting for in the Civil Rights Act and Martin Luther King Jr. Those marches in Selma and across the South and Rosa Parks sitting in the front of the bus and the sit-ins at the counters and the diners. It's just it feels like it's all for naught for for those people who are fighting mm-hmm. for it. You know, there. It is just it. It's ridiculous. I'm not saying that there's not racism still in this country today because there is, and that's evident by things like the Brotherhood, the Aryan Brotherhood, and the Klan and stuff like that. Like that's it's right. obvious, it's evident that they're here and that it's still around. But we don't have them running around lynching people no. anymore, you know, as often as they used to, or what have you. And and I saw I saw an article this past week that was comparing uh, modern day policing to the slave catchers of back in the day. And that's why there's a, that's why it's systematic racism is because the slave catchers are just basically just, or the police officers of today are basically descendants of the slave catchers. You know, that's like how I look at it. And you and I have discussed this at length before, but our Richard and me would, would hold to a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of what things and how the government has tried to put the wool over our eyes on a lot of issues. And I would say that the very people who claim to be anti-racist in the government, politicians, are the ones who enabled and enacted policies that have landed us where we are. When we began breaking up the black family for small, petty little crimes, whatever, we were we were going down a road that would leave thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of children without fathers, without role models, when we push by way of sexual revolution the idea that, well, you just go sleep around, fool around with whoever you want to. You know, it, there's no consequences. Oh, you got pregnant, no problem. Go to Planned Parenthood. We'll take care of it. You know, it's all paid for. You know, you speaking of that, I saw an interesting thing today. And um, I cannot think the lady's name to save my life. But she's part of PragerU, and she's she's an African-American lady, and she was talking about how she used to be a feminist and all this, that, and the other. And she was, the issue of abortion came up, and she said, she said she was sitting there, and she's like, well, doesn't that just empower the man to take away the consequences of having unprotected sex? Because then he doesn't have to raise a kid at that point. So how is it truly empowering the woman, the woman to mm-hmm. make that choice? And I had never thought of it that way, but it's ridiculous. It was um, Antonia Oko. Oh yeah, she's great. Was she's great? Yeah, and and um, I was just listening to her talk about it. How she has become a racist, sexist, misogynist, even though she is a female, and that she is she's also black, right? But she's right, racist because she doesn't you know, fall in line. Right. And she even, that was the thing that she was talking about. Like she even voted for Obama for mm-hmm. twice, but started thinking for herself and realized that she thought she was free thinking yet. 
she was falling down a path that the liberal media wanted her to, or that the, that the Democrats and stuff wanted her to follow down because, you know, that's the path that every, you know, black person in America should follow is voting for Democrats. And that's well, who you vote for. And, you know, like I was saying, we destroy the black family in this country. As a result, it destroys black owned businesses. Mm-hmm. And. And what we end up with is a community of people who are left trying to fend for themselves. Right. And what does Big Brother come and do? Cripple them by saying, we'll provide for your needs. Vote us in. Vote us in. We got you. Never mind the fact that we locked up all your men, all your fathers. We locked them up. But come to us. And we'll provide for you. you. But and you know, Uncle Joe's Uncle Joe's crime bill had a big part to play in the fact that a lot of the men in the in the black community are locked up because mm-hmm. of that. You know, and but he's you know, he's all about defund the police and abolish the police now, and yet he is the one who gave them the money that they have now to do to have the things and the tactical things that they have. Right. You know, you know? and I would say the three strikes law, like ironically enough, I would say, and I would give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt that he's now woke. Maybe to Mm -hmm. be honest, I think he doesn't know what day it is. Ergo, he can be as woke as he wants to be because he just does whatever, what anyone tells him to do. Right. Kamala Harris is out over there with like a puppet master. Marionette, yep. yeah, he's like he's a marionette. You know, I, I I believe that's probably the case, most likely. So so we destroyed the black family, and as a result, we've had generations of young black Americans be fed all of this hogwash in our schools, and now they're leading these prominent activist groups with the intent. To destroy every other nuclear family. And in some yes. ways, I get it. Politicians destroyed yours. So now we're going to go and we're going to upend all of these things in our society. Hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't solve the problem. No, it doesn't. And it, it, it never will. So, so what do we do? How do we respond? How do we deal with with this issue like you know you we bring up this shooting it's it's another is it a sad thing sure i feel sorry for the parents that lost a daughter who i think was it was needless and i and the reason i say it was needless is as a parent why was there not control you're the adults in the situation why was there not control of the situation i'm sorry if people roll up to my house who are unwelcome. We're going to, we're going to figure this out and and I'm going to straighten this out real quick. I mean, the fact that you're letting the altercation happen, you're standing there watching it and you're not breaking it up. Well, even, even the father even tried to kick one of the, one of the other girls. But I'm saying, but I mean, there was, 
all the other people stand around. Break it up. Right. Do something. You're the adult. Be the adult. So, with that, let's take another break. And when we come back, I think we'll have to go go back to God to round out this episode. Because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. Well, I woke up Sunday morning With no way to hold my head That didn't hurt And the beer I had for breakfast Wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. And dessert is what I am drinking right now. Welcome back to the LGBP Podcast. And we are going to talk about here just a little bit about some beers that we're drinking. So today I am drinking a cosmic coconut stout. It's a chocolate coconut stout. And it's pretty it's pretty stout. I tell you, it's pretty stout. It's um uh, it's quite smooth, but it's got the night it's got the mouthfeel that you expect from a, a pretty thick Motor all looking stout like this. Who makes that one? Or who brews that one? This is from our lovely friends at Ingenious. Ingenious. Oh, I love I still have I told um I told my father in law and my brother in law I'd save them uh two of those uh stouts I mm. drank last week because I think they would enjoy them greatly. But this week we swapped. I decided to drink something a little lighter this week. Uh my diet has been terrible. And I ballooned up to 5,000 pounds. So I'm going, I went with a Hop 99 put out by a Beta Brewery. Um, it's a local brewery around here. Uh, it's an IPA. It's a light IPA. And it's light. It's refreshing. The hops, it's not too hoppy. Um, and it would be great for a day on the lake or a uh, day at the ranch, what have you. It's It's a light refreshing is the 99 does that refer to like calories or something yeah yeah it's like oh that's pretty that's pretty cool it's only like two carbs or something like that 2.7 carbs but it's impressive i don't really i don't really care about that the taste was good so but yeah 99 and i was trying to look for the abv on it i think it's like a yeah it's 4.2 it's pretty light so it's not terrible pretty light yeah that's a light it's a light one so um sure the abv on that one's probably like you know 30 I don't. I can't off the top of my head recall. I poured it in a glass, and mm-hmm. then I left that that can in the other room. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure it's up there, the eights and the nines, something like that. Yeah, being as being as dark as that that is, and being a stout in general. So. Well, so I began thinking this this week that each time we do this podcast, I pull up the reading for Sunday morning. However, the reading I pull up is always going to be the reading behind the time this episode comes out. Yes. So I'm going to start this week, and we're going to start working on a different plan here. 
So it's almost like we're going to oh. skip a little bit, but that's okay. Where I'm going to go a week ahead so that when by the time you're listening to this podcast, you're getting discussions on the readings. One of them, all of them, not, you know, so at least one of them of the Sunday that's coming up. So if you decide to make your way and mosey on into a church that follows lectionary, you won't be so lost. You'll have a little bit of background in those readings. So we're going to look at the epistle reading for the upcoming Sunday, which would be the fifth Sunday of Easter. And that is from first John chapter four, beginning with the first verse. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I'm going to pause there. There is no joke about this. That is straight up the truth. You know, Richard and I grew up in a town that is home to the famed Joel Osteen. Yes, we did. Who is most certainly a false prophet in a lot of ways. I have no doubt that he probably believes in Jesus, but his preaching is not the gospel, and it will lead you down a road that you're, you, you can't dig yourself out of because you're going to find yourself wondering, why isn't all this good stuff happening to me? And the response only from him would be, you need to have more faith, pray harder, and then you end up at your wit's end wondering, I guess I just can't get that faith. Right, exactly. It, it's all based on it's all based on your merit and what you've done and how you can how you can do better, which you know honestly puts you as God because then you're controlling your controlling your faith, which our faith is nothing that we have control of. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit. That's right. So continuing on. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now, Luther had his own theory on this. He thought it was the Pope. Actually made that very clear that it was the Pope. I, I don't know that I'm willing to to make a bold statement about who the Antichrist is. But I have no doubt it's someone who, on all the surfaces, appears to be a Christian leader, but is leading these innocent sheep into the slaughter. Continuing with verse 4. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is great, greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Politicians. Exactly. This the part that is just talking about like how how we are from God and we know what God has to say. So therefore we listen to what he says instead of what the world is telling us. Because as we can see, the world is just leading us astray. As we can see with the politicians, with their 
their ideals and the things that they're trying to push upon us. And the fact that we are being told that we are wrong and that we're bigots and we're this, that, and the other, because we, you know, or that we're transphobic because we don't necessarily agree with the way of life that these people have chosen. And, and instead we should conform to the world, but we do not because we conform to God and his plan for us. And that's what, that's what uh, is being said here in first John and those verses at least. So picking up at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, these two verses in this day and age are probably some of the most misused misinterpreted verses just because we hold to the teachings of scripture that would say a myriad of things about our society today that are sinful wrong doesn't mean we're unloving I would say in a lot of ways just the opposite well, is your is your father unloving when they won't let you touch the stove because you can burn yourself? No, he's protecting you. Right. He doesn't God didn't set the laws out for us to be unloving. He set the right. law out to show us love. Right. So that we so that we would not harm ourselves and so that we would live a life that um was one pleasing to him but is without reproach or above reproach, you know, like he, he shows us love and by setting rules and that's is often misconstrued in this world that since we are so strict with what we believe that we have an unloving God or that God allows bad things to happen, that we have an unloving God. No, those bad things that happen are a result of the sin that is in the world that enter the world. He did not create sin. We brought sin into the world. And that's where the bad that's where the bad things come from. It's not from him. It comes from our sin. Right. And how much do we have to hate someone that we would allow them to continue down a sinful and bad path? You know, if you're out there you know, smoking dope, getting drunk, whoring around. I, I'd have to hate you a lot to not try and say, hey, hey now, maybe this lifestyle, maybe, maybe we need to put a pause on here, look at some things, evaluate some things in your life. And that's not-, not because I hate you, but because I love you so much that I don't want you going down a road that's going to take you further away from God and that and the potential leads you down the road to rejecting the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, and it's people oftentimes when you come and you tell them that, Hey, there, there may be a change. You may need to have a change. You may need this. You may, may need that. It's often met with anger most of the time because they know that what they're doing is wrong and what they're doing isn't pleasing to themselves, to their bodies, to to God. If they believe in, if they believe in God, to their parents, to the people around them, they often know that what they're doing isn't right. 
And so when you confront them with that, with that truth, when you confront them with that, that's when they often come at you with anger, but it stops and causes them to pause and causes them to think about what's going on and what their, what their actions are. And sometimes it does take them to hit rock bottom. And that's when, once again, you show your love to them by picking them up and being with them and standing there with them during that time. Cause that's what God, the father did for us when he sent his son to die for us on the cross. We were at our lowest points, eternal damnation, eternal separation from him, our heavenly father. And he sent his one and only son into the world so that we may not perish and that we may live with him eternally. John three sixteen, right? You know, it's just, he, do, he does right. this. He did all of this because he loves us and loves us greatly. You know, the, uh, what was it? Is it the band? I think, I think they're called Nazareth, right? The band, you know, they were, they were right when it says love hurts, mm. mm-hmm. right? Because love can be painful and it can, it can cause some trials in how, in our relationships with others but out of that love you know comes so much more you know we we desire the best for one another our friends our family and that's why we do the things we do you know that's why you 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 would say something that's why you as a father train up your child although he may not like it every time he may not like all the rules and everything you do it out of love, and there might be times when you might have to discipline him, and you may end up more hurt than he is because you're having to do something that's painful that you know is going to cause him angst or whatever, but you know it's for his best interest. Right. And I don't, I don't think – no, actually, I take that back. I don't believe that God took delight and separating himself from us at the fall. I don't think he took delight in that at all. And that's why no. he sent his son to die for us on the cross so that we may be with him when the time comes. That way we were no longer separated from him. Just as you said, our parents, or if you're a parent yourself, you don't take delight in having to punish your kids. You don't take delight in that, but you know that is for the betterment of them and for the good of them. So that they, in that in that metaphor, don't get hurt later down the road. Mm-hmm. You know that they can learn a lesson, so that they can continue to um, stay healthy. And you know, in that in that sense, right. So finish this off. In this love, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and has sent us his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And Richard and I, even though it's weird to say, love each and every one of our listeners so much that we want them to know that we want them to know everything in this verse 10. I'll read it again in this love. Not that we, not that we have loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We, we have fun on here talking about politics, talking about beer. But truly, what we get the most joy out of is telling y'all about Christ and what he's done for us. And teaching, teaching right. y'all more about who Christ is and this love that he has for us. And it's not because we love him. It's because he loved us and sent his son for us. I mean, he, uh, the writer says it best when he, you know, when he says, Beloved, in verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to, lo- we ought to love one another, not because of warm fuzzies that we get when we do, but because our Father in heaven loved us first and offered the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we may know what that true agape love is. And that love doesn't necessarily look like the love we're told by the world that we ought to have. Right? The world would say, if you love, then their phrase, love is love. Or, you know, uh, if you if you love like God, then you will let me sin in peace. And and that's not the love that's being talked about here. No, because God... That's not the idea here. Because the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit does not let us love... Or, I'm sorry, does not let us sin in peace. That's why mm-hmm. they have... That's why we have the law to mirror, to curve us, and to guide us. So that we can see our sin, and that we can, so we can measure up, so we can see what in what's going on and be guided by it. That is the love that is from God. Right, and so when we talk about these things, whether it be an officer involved shooting, whether it be the coronavirus, and how. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who would completely disagree with our take on that today. Certainly disagree with our take on the shooting. However, when we talk about these things, Richard and I do strive to talk about it in a sense in love. That not it's not that we are so stringent in our political views but it's how we view the world through Christ and what he's done and how many in our society are not acting in that way. And it really goes back to one of the first statements we talked about at the beginning of this episode, how ungodly the people are to the leaders of this country are to make themselves God and they are, in a lot of ways, what's being talked about here in these verses from First John. You know, they are the spirit of the world. They are of the world totally, no matter what they say. But friends, we're here to tell you, it's that Jesus who is not of this world, who can grant you the peace that we have and the comfort when we're faced with such trying times, when it's confusing, when it doesn't make a lot of sense. Your Jesus is there to provide you with all the comfort you'd ever need, 
And to close out kind of this discussion, this episode, I've got to turn to one of my most beloved hymns. Amazing Grace. Not quite. As much as as much as you would love for that to be it, Richard. I know, I, I know it's near and dear to your heart. Right. But I have to go back, as I've quoted him before, the great Lutheran hymn writer, Paul Gerhardt, the wonderful poet. I'll leave you with this. Why should cross and trial grieve me? Christ is near with his cheer. Never will he leave me. Who can rob me of the heaven that God's son for me won when this life was given? Now in Christ, death cannot slay me, though it might, day and night, trouble and dismay me. Christ has made my death a portal from this strife of this life to his joy immortal. And that's what I have for you this week. It's been great talking to you. all Uh, Go out, spread this love that we've been given, and let people know that our Father in heaven is one that loves that loved us first by sending his son to die for us on the cross. You can find us on Instagram at LGBP Podcast. And go, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you'll leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. And like I said, follow us on uh, Instagram at LGBP underscore podcast.